Summit in San Antonio, Texas, the Core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Patrick Conway and Eric Colby. Today's topic, filling a greatness tracker. Raise your hand if you're a lender. Okay, so raise your hand if you're a realtor. Okay, good. I've got like eight realtors in the room. I like it. So I'll speak to y'all eight, and Colby will speak to the other hundred. That'll be good. (laughs) So I think this is a mandatory first-time lender class. Am I right about that? So this is your first-time event. Raise your hand for me. About a third of the room. So if you're a level three member, raise your hand. That's two-thirds of the room. Okay, that adds up. That's good. Cool. So... The other thing that I just want to gauge, because this is going to be really, really complicated, is how to fill a greatest tracker with high-level stuff here. I just want to say, how many people have three team members or less? Raise your hand. Wow, three team members or less. That's most of the room. Cool. So that will gauge us on what to do, because I have 85 team members. I'm just kidding. I only have 14. Cool. So filling out a greatness tracker. I became a realtor in 2012, and I snuck into a summit. And at the summit... The first day, I'm watching Rick on stage, and I'm blown away. I became a realtor in 2012, and I'm sitting in the summit of May of 2012, so I was a realtor for five months. So at the break, I go running up to Rick. Rick, this is amazing. I am a brand-new realtor, and I'm going to smoke it. I'm going to be your next all-star. He's like, oh, you're brand-new. How many years have you been in? I said, no, not years. I've been here for five months. And he said, what? You don't belong in the room. Then he turned around and walked away. So and I was like, oh my gosh. And it's like drinking from the fire hose. I have all this stuff. And the one thing that I took back, because I'm super smart, was a greatness tracker. And if you're number one, not being coached, because I didn't want to pay three grand a month. And my wife was like, you're an idiot. Our mortgage payment's about 1400 There ain't no way you're paying somebody three grand a month to coach you. I said, yes, ma'am. I learned that in counseling. Yes, ma'am. That's what I do. So I just went back. I grinded out a greatness tracker the first year in business. Focus solely on Greatness Tracker, 43 deals, 9.7 million. First year in business. Thank you. That's pretty good for a rook, right? Then year number two, I finally got permission from my wife to sign up after Rita and Kendra calling me all the time. So I signed up, started getting coached, and what they coached me on? I was like, I've been doing that for a year. She's like, no, not with the right accountability. And I said, okay, I hear where you're coming at. And then she made me do the greatness tracker with the end result in mind, which is a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about today. But once I had the end result in mind, just focus on greatness tracker. Now, I'm not, I didn't implement a whole bunch of stuff. I just literally focused on greatness tracker. So my first year, no accountability and not the end result in mind, just greatness tracker, 43 deals, 10 million. Year number two with a little accountability and the end result in mind, 106 deals for 26 million is year number two realtor. Pretty awesome, right? So... Whatever happens today, I feel very comfortable because I got a guy on stage with me who is unbelievable. So I know that no matter what, I've got one of the most competitive guys up here. So he will pick up my slack, and when I get a little bit too goofy, he'll keep me in line, and it's going to be a very good relationship up here. The first time I ever met the guy, I don't even think he knows. I'm like brand new coach, and to be a part of the coaches, you get a little nervous. So they bring me up to be a part of the coaches, and I get like this secret backroom treatment. And I'm like just kind of standing out there in the corner by myself like, what do I do? Do I even belong in this room? It's crazy. And Colby was one of the first guys to be like, hey, come here. And I found out how nice of a guy he was. He's awesome. The other thing is I get to learn more about him, something that's important to me if you ever learn about my story. 
in vitro battles and craziness, and I've got all these kids now. I've got two little twin boys. They're 19 months old and a four-year-old daughter. He's got three daughters. So every time that I listen to him talk or hear anything about him, man, he puts family first. It's crazy. And I'm like, I aspire to be a dad like you. So I know I'm going to do all right up here with you, man. Well, Give him a little it. steps on mindset for me. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, uh, this clock still says 90, and it's freaking me out. Oh, good. It was just, okay, cool. I was like, we got to make this in, in the right amount of time. So that being said, um, what I will tell you is, um, you know, when it comes to the greatness tracker, this really is, I mean, this 300, you can take this 320-page book and throw it in the trash on your way out if you aren't doing the greatness tracker. It's honestly the only form you need. I think JJ mentioned it yesterday in his talk, the millionaire form. And I had a uh, Kevin, I, I don't think he's in here, but he asked me, he's like, what are you teaching? He's like, oh, the greatness tracker. He's like, oh, should I come to that class? I'm like, if you want to be rich. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he's not in here. So either he's at Rick's advanced money class right now, hopefully, or he should be in here because that is the reality. This form is all you need to do. It's the most challenging form that you'll ever have. And it still challenges me every single day, but it's very, very important. So what we're going to do is really talk about just how to execute this form, because when you're first getting in, a lot of it is just filling the boxes and can be overwhelming. And I know when I first, you know, I, I'd been in the core for the first time and got the got the lead track or the, the greatness tracker. Sorry. And um, I remember thinking about 60 phone calls or 60 talk to like, Geez, I mean, I, I must talk to 150 people a week. I'm on the phone all day, every day. And I started doing it. I'm like, whoa, I talked to like 20 people a week. Like this is, are you kidding me? And and you just start to realize how aware you need to be. And I want you guys to write something down because this is kind of an approach that I take with the Greatness Tracker form. Um, the very first thing I do on Monday morning is I take my Greatness Tracker out and I say to myself, my number one job this week is to completely fill out this form. That is it. That is my job. Nothing else matters, and if I can do this, I know I'm going to be successful. The other part of that is as I break it down, I also think this in my head. Win the day. That's it. The coolest thing about the greatness tracker, it's one day at a time. Did you see three people face-to-face? Did you have one break bread? Did you talk to ten people? Did you do an event? Did you do a video? Did you do two thank you cards? If you break it down to that every single day, and sometimes you might not do it. You won the day or you didn't, but you know what? The next day, did I win the day? You don't have to say, I didn't do this, so I'm going to do 20 of them today. We all know how that goes. If you just keep not doing it, not doing it, not doing it, by Friday, you're like, okay, today I'm going to make 60 phone calls, go see 15 people, eat five lunches, and then the next week you're not even going to do it because you're like, I can't even, I, I can't do it. So break it down to the simplest form. That's really, really what you have to do. And, and, and don't make it too complicated. So, you know, when we get down and we start talking about some of these tactics, we're going to get really tactical on not just filling that out, but how do you fill it out? How do you set this up? How do you set yourself up to be successful? Because, again, everybody in here, whether you've been in the core for a day or 10 years, it's still the hardest thing you're going to do every single week is to get that completed and to get it completed well. So I'm going to turn it over to Patrick. He's going to start talking about, you know, we're just really going to go through this step by step, each category, the greatness tracker and how we how we work it and what we do to get better. Cool. So the first section's 15 face to faces. How many people struggle with that? Raise your hand. Half the room struggles with that. So for me, when I first started, I don't know if I'm a social butterfly or what's going on, but 15 face-to-faces was a little bit more easy for me. Uh, the conversations is where I struggled the most. Um, 
when it comes to, gosh, you know what? Do me a favor. Stand up. Everybody stand up. Cool. Now I want you to raise your right hand really high in the air. And now I want you to put it down. Now raise your left hand really high in the air. And then toward your left hand, circle around one time. And then jump in the air and say, Woo! <laughs> My guy. Now you gotta, everybody sit down except for Dallin. Now you get to do it by yourself. The one guy that didn't do it. Now raise your hand, left hand, spin around, jump up and say woo. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. So lesson number one between year number one for me, year number two for me was the end result in mind. So it talks about 15 face-to-faces. And I said, okay, cool. I need to get face-to-face with 15 people and write their name in a box. And that was year number one for me. Year number two for me was specifically ask them what I need. So I just asked y'all to do something. Every single person, except for my guy, did it, did it in the room. It's pretty crazy. So I think far too often we get in the habit of just checking off the box, write the name in there, turn it in the coach so I don't get fined. But did you even try? So for me, trying is conditioning for one furl, asking somebody for business, enhancing our relationship, right? So for me, it's very easy. Realtors, we have a few face-to-faces that we're trying to hit. A listing appointment's by far number one. For lenders in the room, you can teach your realtors this, right? The best appointment face-to-face that we could ever have as a realtor is a listing. So a listing appointment's number one. A buyer's consultation or showing a house is number two. Meeting with the referral partner is number three. I think meeting face-to-face with a PF or a PC is number four. I think those are really the four most impactful face-to-faces that I'm there. So, a couple things. I've been to 14 summits now, and at the end of the summit, Rick always brings out his, we need your help to referrals form. How many people do not know what I'm talking about? It's okay to raise your hand because there's a bunch of first-timers in here. A few people do not know what we're talking about. So at the end of the event, Rick's going to say, hey, we need your help. If you liked it out here, I need your help. Give me the name of two awesome realtors or lenders that might like this as well. So typically we have 500, 600, 700 people in the room, and I think we get between 700 and 1,000 leads just by asking. So I had to go through 14 summits to say, wow, I should be doing that in my business. So when I sit down for a face-to-face, it's an unbelievable tactic. So for all the realtors in the room, the tactic on a buyer's presentation or a listing presentation when you're face-to-face, have the end result in mind for me. Now the end result is not just take the client to the finish line, it's condition them for a referral and make sure I get two referrals from them. So when I started doing that, I went from getting two or three current client referrals to about 18 per month. Thank you, thank you. I like it. So, now my biggest fear is that I got eight realtors in the room, so they're all like, yes, I can do that. So lenders go teach your realtors, but my tactic for the best face-to-face that you guys can have is in front of a borrower. Would that be accurate? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I mean, what are the best face-to-faces for you guys? I mean, borrowers, anytime you can get face-to-face with a borrower. I loved, um, it, it was funny, I just listened to Oleg's lead tracker thing, and he was talking about when he first got in the business, when he had a lead, he's like, cool, when can we meet for dinner? I was just like, it, I mean, that is a tactic. You know, how many times when, for lenders, you know, are we like, well, yeah, when can we schedule a phone call? If you just went out and said, when can I come to your office? When can we meet? When can I come to your house and talk about it? I mean... What would the conversion be? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, for face to face, there's there's opportunities to to do it. So, so the coolest thing that I learned from this man over here somewhere, Derek. I saw him. I can't really see because the lights. But uh, we were out at the ranch hanging out, and he said, "Hey, I got this really cool tactic. Every time I meet with a borrower, I don't really need to get their driver's license up front. 
But I get it anyways. And I said, well, why would you do that? He's like, because that's at the end of my presentation in front of the borrower. And I slide the two referrals form in front of them. And he says, I got two jobs. One is to get your loan. Number two job is to find other clients like you. So let me focus on my number one job more. And you guys give me two referrals. Hey, I need a copy of your driver's license. I'll be right back. And then they sit there and they fill out the form. Am I right? So there's a tactic for the lenders. I did my job. (laughs) So how many people actually use the we need your help to referrals in your face-to-face appointments? There's like three or four people in the room. That's awesome. So now what we get to do is we get to partner up at our tables. So pick a partner who's next to you. One person be the realtor or lender. One person be the borrower or buyer. And you sell them and get closed. Close them. Hey, sign my disclosure. Hey, sign my buyer's rep agreement. If you are the borrower or the buyer, you're going to say yes to that. And then I want the realtor or the lender to hit them up for the two referrals. However it is, use your language. Ask them, hey, I need your help. I need two referrals from you throughout this process. So shortest hair goes first. We'll do that for about two minutes. Then repeat. Y'all switch it up. back out of everything that i track my current client referrals end up being like the highest conversion rate that i've got so the more current client referrals that we can have the better i'm not going to have them share this moment you guys are on the ball though thank you (laughs) so uh one thing between year number one and two and versus now after seven years of doing this I would go into a face-to-face, and I don't know if it was a little nervous energy or I'm not that polished or I never even practiced how to ask for a, hey, we need your help, give me some two referrals. So I think more role-playing is necessary in our lives. So I would go in there with, like, my agenda, and I would give him an elevator pitch. So Larry Montani is pretty important in my life. He's like my big brother of the core. He came into town a day early. He did a big talk, and I wanted to be in the room. So I went to that room. There was, like, a hundred realtors in the room and he's talking and he picked on me a little bit because he knows me and he's like, hey, we're at an event. We're face to face. We're hanging out. You just met me for the first time. How are you going to pitch me? And I was like, I get to show off in front of all my San Antonio realtors. This is going to be great. I got a really good elevator pitch. And I said, oh, I'm like number two realtor in the whole town behind the best realtor in the nation, Dayton. So I'm pretty good. We sell 300 houses a year. I've got an awesome team. I'm the best negotiator. And Larry's like, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. You made it all about yourself. What are you, conceited? Do you have a huge, gigantic head? I said, you know me. i got a huge ego. Come on, man. He said, make it more about them. So you can write that down. It's okay to write it down. In a face-to-face, you have to make it about them. I don't really care about your agenda. Have the end result in mind, but your agenda does not matter. It matters what's going on with them. So if it's a borrower, buyer, listing, referral, referral partner, there's some specific questions and things that I have to do to slow down. So when I got to year four and year number five and I started getting more business, I started having this quantity problem. Does anyone have that quantity problem? Too many people. I'd go so fast. I would get my agenda out there. I'd ask him like one question. I'd be like, okay, good. I'm looking forward to doing business. I got to get to my next appointment. Bye. So for me to slow down, I actually have to sit there and remind myself all the time, ask three questions, ask three questions on whatever topic they're talking about. So if they bring up their three daughters, I'll ask three questions about the daughters. How old are they? What's their names? What are they into? Do you get dressed up and let them paint your toenails like I do? Because I let my four-year-old paint my toenails all the time. I'm not going to take off my shoes or socks. It's the truth. They're probably pink right now. 
So I ask three questions about whatever's going on. Some of the best questions that I ask are, what is your biggest struggle? In an appointment with a borrower or a listing or a buyer, the best question that I ever ask is, what is your biggest fear? If I can overcome that fear, they're probably going to do some business with me. Would you agree? So remind yourself when you're face-to-face, make it about them. Ask a bunch of questions. Make sure that you go deeper. Everything that they're talking about, ask three questions about that to go deep. It's all about them. Once you make it about them, they're willing to help you out. So how to get face-to-faces, I think Colby's going to do a great job of talking about that because the next category that, are you talking about conversations now? Break bread then. Break breads, then conversations. But to queue up and actually get face-to-faces and break breads, we've got to have conversations and pound the phone and do March Madness, which he's going to cover for you guys. Cool. Um, so we're going to go through the greatness tracker again in order, but they all it all ties together. So break breads are one of those things that are always kind of tough. And, and again, for Oleg going to dinner with those people, that's a great time. Most of the people in this room are qualified to be here. I'm guessing you're not every client going to go have lunch or dinner with them. We're looking at having break breads with referral partners for the most part. And what I will tell you is if on Monday when you look at your schedule and you don't have five break breads already scheduled, you are highly unlikely to get five break breads done unless you're going to do some of the other little tactics that I have. So here's how I do this with my break breads. I always look to have a break bread, my break bread scheduled two weeks in advance. So when I'm talking to a referral partner, I'm talking to someone casually about something else or whatever, I always say, hey, we haven't, you know, it's been a while, we need to get together. What are your next couple of weeks look like? Because even for someone like me, who has a lot of jobs, a lot of roles, when I look two weeks down the road, it's really hard, unless I don't want to meet with you, like it's hard for me to tell you that I don't have time in the next two weeks to find something in my schedule to meet, right? And even if it is, you can start gauging people. If they're deflecting, if they're deferring, hey, you know, well, I'm really busy and this, that, okay. I, that, that either means you don't want to work with me or you are really busy and I want to be on your schedule. So if you go into it with that approach, it's also a lot, it, it's more disarming to them as well because they're not like, hey, can you meet me on Tuesday for lunch? Can you meet me tomorrow? I need to fill my greatness tracker. Let's meet. You know, And if they can meet you tomorrow, that's kind of weird too. Like, well, do you not have anything that you're doing either? And I'm just trying to fill this up. So keep that in mind, especially when you're making the calls and, and with what you're doing. The other part that I hear a lot is, I don't really like doing break breads. I have to drive for an hour and then I go eat lunch and then I have to drive back for an hour. You need to strategically set appointments around your break breads and around your schedule. So if you're a breakfast person, you want to set that up. You go to the gym, you work out, you get dressed. I'll meet you at 730. Cool. Break bread done. Okay. And after that, or let's say like for me, there's a town, Westminster, but you know, there's a lot of business that happens there, but it's like an hour drive or 45 minute drive. And sometimes I don't like to do it. But if I set an appointment, I know I'm going to meet an agent up there. Guess what? I'm visiting real estate offices up there. I'm visiting builders up there. I'm setting appointments around that. Or if I know that I have a closing that I want to go to that's in one of those places, I'm going to look at when that closing is. Who do I know up there that I can set a break bread with? Because I'm going to be there anyway. So you have to start looking at it that way and not be so reactive. The biggest part that we have to do is we look at this greatness tracker and we're not planning for it appropriately. And then we're trying to figure out ways to fill it quickly and get people in. And then you're going to take the guy who you know is going to take a lunch with you because they don't have anything. And they'll, you know, we all have that partner or that business partner that they're always down to meet you for lunch or coffee or whatever and have you buy them lunch and they will make time for you because they don't have time for anything. You know, they don't have anything else on their schedule, basically. So um, anybody struggle with getting break breads done, getting your five break breads, a lot, lot of hands. 
So I'm going to give you some other little tactics that I do when I am behind and I haven't scheduled and I haven't planned accordingly. I will go into a real estate office with some Jimmy John sandwiches or a pizza and just take it in and say, hey, I was in the neighborhood. Here you go. Let's have a pizza. It's awesome. It works so well. Guess what? I'm going to take a bite of the pizza, too. Give it to you. One, two, three. You talk. You have a conversation. Um, Rick was talking yesterday about just little things that, that uh, taking ice cream sandwiches. I thought about that. I was like, what a great concept. It's, it's summer. It's going to be hot. Grab some ice cream sandwiches. Run into a place. Cool. Here you go. Break bread. There's There shouldn't be an excuse to not get to five. There is an excuse if you're not planning appropriately, and it's much easier if you do. The other piece that you can do, hey, we, we find that on, on the lender side, I found that for a, for a long, long time, I was like afraid to ask other agents to refer me to another agent because I thought they would think I wouldn't have time for them. It was like awkward. It was weird. And then I started thinking back and I was like, how do, how did I get these agents in the first place? Most of the agents I work with were referred to me by another agent that said, this guy's awesome. You have to work with him. Here's a number. And I'm like, why am I, why am I overthinking this? I can ask an agent, who else is great in your office? Who's new? Who's a new up and comer? Who's a new agent in your office? Would you, you know, would you be open to setting an appointment for us to, to all meet together? Because now you have this third party endorsement that already loves you and they do it anyway. Think about who your best referral partners are, who your best agents are. Ask those guys. They have no problem. And, and I'm sure on the same side for, for the real estate side, you know, best client, whoever it is. Hey, I'm going to have you. I'm going to meet you. Like, break breads really shouldn't be that difficult. We just make them hard because we overthink it and we think it's a drive time and we think it's all these things that, you know, I have to sit there for an hour and talk about their family and this and that. It's like, well. So for our realtors in the room, a couple of things that I do and the lenders are talking about their target audience. Obviously, they have a very clear target audience of realtors. Uh, I've made a pretty good living on chasing some builders, so I take all the tactics they talk about chasing realtors, and I apply that to builders. You can also apply it to business people. So when you hear Colby say, hey, I'm going to be in this specific area, so you find out which builders are going to be in that area, what business partners are in that area where you can go by and pop by. He talks about bringing some food, pizza, Jimmy John's over yeah. to their office so you can bring Breakfast tacos is a really cool thing in San Antonio. So we bring lots of breakfast tacos to all the builder offices, and that works every single time for yeah. sure. Oh, good. So when you're when you when you have a break bread that's planned and you're trying to strategically plan your day around that break bread, how do you, how are you looking up businesses and or you know other other opportunities to go by? Great you? question. Yep that that is a good question. So um, for me. Personally, I, I work with a lot of builders. I have a lot of agents. I've been in the business for a long time. I think if it was someone that, you know, might be newer in the business, it could just be, is there a real estate office up here that I can pop by? Is there someone? But I think the the whole pop by, if you don't know anyone, is a little bit tough, and it can be intimidating. And honestly, like, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't like to do that. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I would much rather have a warm referral into it. So whether that is, you know, a past client that you might know, where their job is or a referral partner or someone like that. I mean, you can start getting a little bit creative. Um, if there's, you know, an attorney office that you want to work with, someone, I think you need to just, I mean, that, that part you'd probably need to do a little bit more research. But you have to have that, you know, back to the whole, what's my objective before I go and do it, instead of just driving across town, driving back, because that's, it's just a waste of time. You need to start looking at your, your hourly wage and how you can maximize that between the lines. Do you have staff? You don't have staff yet. Oh, you do. How many staff do you have? Two. You have two staff. So if I have two staff and I know that I'm going to be 
30 minutes away for some lunch appointment that's important, I'm going to take advantage of that 30 minutes away. So I'd probably tell my staff, hey, I'm going to be in this area. So what I need you to do is find out two or three places I can visit, uh, past clients, business partners that we've done some business with, somebody that came to a happy hour, somebody off my 10-4 form, I don't really care, just set me up for success and let me know where it is. Because I want five minutes from wherever I'm eating lunch a half hour away so I can maximize my time. So do that for me, right? So sometimes we get involved and everybody has their top three job responsibilities and top three metrics and that's important, but it's okay for them to do other things too, right? Cool. So have your staff set you up for success on stuff like that. Yep. All right. So conversations, 60. It's a lot. It's a lot. But it is the easiest, quickest way to make money in the most efficient time. And we tend not to do it. We sometimes are like, oh, I got to do my face to face. I have to do my break breads, all these things. And we avoid the phone calls. We want to check emails. The phone call at the end of the day is the easiest. Literally, who did the March Madness challenge? Hated it. Hated it. But how much did you accomplish by doing that? I mean, it's in the time that we we do that. And, it, it, and literally, if you just make that 30 calls for every single day for the rest of your life and you didn't do a break bread and you didn't do a face to face. I mean, I'm not saying avoid the greatness tracker. I would, I would wager that you'll do more business just by doing that. Just by doing that. I think it was JJ who was on stage and said, uh, Rick's the most brilliant repackager of ideas of all time. Cause if you figure out a way to fill out your greatness tracker and actually have the 60 conversations, you had to have at least dialed 30 people each day to actually make that happen for the most part. That's what I found. So it is pretty cool how he's just rebranded that. Um, the best way to make a bunch of conversations that I love what Rick told us, because I had some struggles around it at first, which is kind of idiotic. And he said, hey, taking it all wrong. Take three 30-minute time periods and knock out those calls. And I was like, I can definitely do that with no distractions, no worries for 30 minutes. My team doesn't have to come in. I don't have to worry about what I'm missing out on. For 30 minutes, I can make 10 calls. And I can probably carve out, carve out three times throughout the day where I have 30-minute segments where I make 10 outbound calls. That would give me my 30, and I'm completing March Madness and not giving fine. I think we got a question back there. Yeah. Um, as far as the calls, a lot of times you get voicemails throughout the day. So either referral partners, clients, whatever. Um, what? These are actual live calls we're talking about. These are not just, hey, yep. I'm checking in with you. Uh, call me back when you get a chance, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's the, these are your talk-tos, okay? If the title company calls and asks for wiring instructions, or like, <laughs> don't put that on, the, on your greatness tracker, okay? It's like, be, be strategic about it. But what I, what I look at to get 60 calls in my mind, or 60 talk-tos in my mind, I need to make 100 dials. So my goal every week is to make 100 dials. Now it was 150 and... Then I started getting busy, but it's back to 100. So 100 dials is the number, and if you get there quicker, great. But if you just try to get to 60, if you don't strategically do it and you just say, I'm going to make 60 talk-tos, I think that's a harder way of approaching it than saying, I'm going to get to 100, and if I do that, I'm going to, and your number might be better. Again, somebody said, hey, if nobody's answering your calls, you might be calling the wrong people or they just don't want to talk to you. So um, when who has trouble getting to 60 talk-tos a week? Struggles with it. Okay, so I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you uh, what what page are we? One something. I don't know. Let me. I struggle with that a lot. I think what his question was kind of going towards. I could be wrong. I'm interpreting this a little bit different, probably. So yeah, my, what I struggle with a lot was just writing that name on there. Like, hey, your appraisal came in. 
That counts. Yeah. That didn't really count for me. So what I determined was four or five things will happen for it to count as a great phone call conversation on the Greatness Tracker. Now, March Madness is just so we can get to that 60 great phone call conversations. March Madness is you probably have to dial 30 people to get 10 really good ones that count on a Greatness Tracker. So for a conversation to count, four or five things happen. Number one, I give a lead. I give a lead. Number two is I get a lead. So if I give a lead, that's one. If I get a lead, that's two. If I ask for business, that would be three. If I ask for an appointment, that would be number four. And number five, if I really enhance the relationship, like forward conversation times ten. One of those five things happen, I count it as a great phone call conversation. If one of those five things don't happen, that's not a great phone call conversation. Would you agree? Did that answer your question? Cool. I'll, I'll tell you the easiest way to get to 60 talk tos. Who, I know we have level three members, but theme days. Does everybody know the theme days? Raise your hand if you know the theme days. Okay. So when I first got into core, 40 agent calls. Knew it, did it every single time. Tuesday updates. Knew it, did it every single time. Wednesday pre-approvals, that's kind of like a suggestion. Thursday VIP <laughs> or past clients, a suggestion. Friday VIPs, yeah, that, that'd be good if we got there too. But Mondays and Tuesdays, boy, I mean, my greatness tracker, like on Monday and Tuesday, we're so good. And then the calls the rest of the way were like, do, 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 down to like, I don't even think I picked up the phone on Friday. You know, so the reality is, if you focus on the theme days, if you make the theme days Mandatory, and I've been coaching. I created a thing this uh, this semester for my uh, students. It's on page 148. It's actually called the Theme Day Accountability Tracker, and it helps you stay on track because if you follow those theme days, you will get your 60 calls. I guarantee you can get your 60 calls if you do it. And the reality is, Monday is the hardest day. Monday is the hardest day. You're coming back from the weekend. Everything's hitting you. You have every great intention. And now all of a sudden you get off track, but you have to make these 40 calls. But it's much easier to make the 40 calls because you're fresh. You're fired up. It's a new week. You're ready to go. But you have to think through those calls. So there are a lot of work. You have to understand what am I going to talk about? Who, what am I going to say? What do I say? When do I say it? How do I do it? Okay. Tuesday. Tuesday's a little bit easier. It's not as hard as Monday because at least you know what you're going to talk about. You have these files. You know who the agents are. You know the listing agent, buyer's agent, buyer. You can get those calls done, and you get them on your greatness tracker. But they take a little bit of time. So you have to talk to the processor. You have to talk to your team. You have to figure out, you know, what's going on in the file, because what if they actually ask you a question about the file, and you're like, oh, I don't know what to, you know, talk to this person. But you know what to do. Wednesday, pre-approvals. Conversion has been a big topic of this. A lot of people are getting leads, but they're not converting. Their conversions are down or things are happening. I have all these people that are, you know, out there shopping, but, you know, they're not buying or whatever. That Wednesday pre-approval call, you want to increase your conversion? Wednesday is not a suggestion. Wednesday pre-approval calls should be just as important as Mondays, but they're easier than Monday and they're easier than Tuesday because all you're doing is calling and saying, hey, just checking in on you. Have you found a house? What's going on? What's going on in the search? And they're a great opportunity to find out, hey, do you need anything from the agent? An opportunity to call your agent. Now you have another call there. Oh, well, actually, I'm, you know, I'm looking at a new builder. Actually, I'm, I already, you know, went and, went and talked to another lender too. You have to make those calls because if you just do the whole, hey, you're pre-approved, call me when you find a house. We've all made that mistake. Everybody has made that mistake where they called and they said, or they said, oh yeah, I'm going to buy something this summer. Like, okay, cool. I'll call you in three months. And you have one on your calendar. You call them through. Oh yeah, I bought something last month. Like, dang. I thought we were going to, you know, well, do the Wednesday pre-approvals. Question? So obviously for the greatness tracker, it's 60 conversations, which of course is a minimum for theme days. Like 
for example, Monday, call 40. Is that 40 conversations or is that, you it's know? It's 40 dials. dials. So you're just calling 40 people. I usually, like almost every single Monday, I range from 20 to 26 talk to's out of the 40 calls that I make. That's just my kind of range of doing it, and some will call back or whatever. So I usually get the, the majority of my actual talk to's done on Monday and then kind of move through the theme day. So now let's go to Thursday on the theme day, okay? Thursday is past clients. Everybody's talked about it. Your past clients. They move up. They move down. Somebody dies. Divorce. Job transfer. College. All these things that can happen. But we, we, we all go into... You know, when we're competing against a bank or we're competing, hey, I'm going to be your, you know, on the lender side. I don't know how you guys do it, but on the lender side, hey, I'm going to be your lender for life. Uh, you know, uh, this is why you're going to pick me over this bank because I'm going to do an annual review. I'm going to do all these things. And, you know, we're going to keep you in the loop. And, and then guess what? You, you send them like recipes by email and it's spring time to change your water heater. And you think that, you know, they're going to call you back and, and we lie about it. But the reality is if you just pick up the phone, and you call someone, you say, hey, thanks for being a great client, just checking in on you. Who else does that? Does Wells Fargo do that? You know, does anyone do it? But we, we, we like, oh, Thursday, yeah, past client, you know, hopefully they'll call me when they're ready to go again, but we don't do it. How do you guys do Thursday calls? calls? So we yeah. do the same thing. So uh, March Madness forced me to realize that I've got about 480 people that would pass a grocery store test. The grocery store is just, if I'm walking through the aisle and Mark Harris is walking through the aisle, I'm going to stop and be like, hey, Mark, hey, Patrick, what's up? If I know you, you're on my database. So sometimes realtors get confused because some of us have like 2,500-person databases, and that's not really the truth, right? A database that's more like a farm, which is okay. I think that's a good supplement. But I want 400 really tight relationships, no more than 500 tight relationships that uh, I'm in. So we want to call those guys on Thursday, and it took me forever to consistently call them. And I like to call the ones that had a really good time and I like them and they like me. And what I realized with March Madness is I had to dial through all these people and there was like about 150 of them that I barely ever want to talk to. So I had to push outside the limits and I got really uncomfortable and I had to call them. And I'm really good at like calling myself a doofus and a knucklehead because I get it from Rick about every other day. So I just kind of manipulate that conversation to my clients and I would say, hey, Tia, it's Patrick Conway. I'm your realtor from three years ago. I'm really nervous to make this call because I'm a bonehead. I'm a doofus, a little bit of a knucklehead, and I don't think I've even talked to you in three years. I am so sorry. How's the house? So I just started talking about it. Talk about them, walk through the conversation, one. ask them if they've done any improvements, ask them what's going on in their life, ask them what they're doing for Memorial Day. I always have a good story in my life. I've got my twin boys. They're super knucklehead right now, and they just discovered how to spit which is super fun. So they walk around the house, and Brody did it first, and he goes, Pfft. I was like, what do you just do? And then Vince is watching him, and he goes, Pfft. so now they spit all over the house. So I'm like running through the house late, and I like slip on their spit all over the place. It's really disgusting. So that's my funny, dumb story that I'm telling everybody right now, because that's what's going on in my life, right? I ask them a bunch of questions about what's going on with them, and I say, hey, Tia, I'm so sorry that we didn't connect in the last three years. I know sometimes you get client party events and I just want to do a better job. So is it all right if I call you more frequently? Cool. So if I remember correctly, you were like one of my favorite clients I ever had. How did we do for you? Oh, you did really good. Awesome. That's really good to hear. I think somebody like you can really influence my business this year and I'm ready to take it to the next level. So I have to ask you for a favor. Can you commit to just sending me one buyer or seller this year? Just one. Awesome. Well, hey, we're doing a big movie theater party in July. Be on the lookout for the invite for that. I'd love to see you there. I'll see you later. So that's kind of how mine go. Cool.
And then for back to theme days, just get back on track. So Friday, VIP, those should be the easiest call. These are people you want to talk to. These are people that are super easy. These are your best friends, your family, your, you know, your coaches, your mentors, anyone like that. And they're easy, easy calls to make. So again, if we had to make 40 agent calls on Fridays, like that would never, ever, ever happen. And you have to understand that the way these things are set up is it's going to get easier. It's going to help you get to the calls, but stick to the program. I'm anyone that's ever had me as a coach. Like literally, I don't do any fluff ever. Like everything I do is basics, 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 basics. And most people don't do them. I don't do them all the time. It's hard for me to do them because you start thinking you get you get used to it. And then you're like, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. We've all been in that category. Oh, man, this is working. I'm not going to do it anymore. It's just automatic. And that's what happens. And that's why it's so great to that's what's called greatness. It's great. But it, it really comes down to, you know, it is a chore at first. It, it's still a chore. Number one, it's a chore. Chores then become habits. You start getting them, you start doing them, you start doing it, and, and it becomes a habit. And then it becomes a ritual, which is where you enjoy it. You just want to do that. You want to do the greatness tracker. I, every Monday, I want to do the greatness tracker because I know what the end result is, like a bunch of money, which I like. So I'll keep, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. It's a ritual. I enjoy it. I got a question. question. Okay. Hey, Eric. Um, what's the conversation that you're having with the top 50 VIP? Because that's probably where I struggle the most. Yeah. So for VIPs for me, I, I, I like to just check in with them from a from a personal level. So this might be the CEO of my company or my boss or, you know, my mom or my best agent or whatever. And a lot of times just, hey, you know, I just want to call and check in. Hope you're doing great. I mean, I'll call the CEO of my company and just say, how are we doing? Anything I can do better? And that that's such a that's such a question of like, Wow, who is going to call and ask something like that? And it's great. I mean, it, you you really want to even with your your VIPs, and this is really with any conversation. Patrick, uh, you said it earlier about asking them what their struggle is. Too, hey, what are you struggling with right now? You either want to be able to help them in some way, coach them, or relate. A lot of times, you'll find out, hey, there's something I can relate to. There's something I can talk about. There's something I can coach them on. And VIPs, they want to hear from you. But we, you know, these are the people that we assume are VIPs and don't need to hear from us because they're our favorite people and they're oftentimes the one that we neglect the most when they love to hear from you. They're easy. Eric, on the on the 40 realtor calls on Mondays, right, some of them you're in relationship with, some are new ones. Um, when you're constantly making those calls, Eric, what are, what are things of value that you're calling and talking to them about so it's not repetitive and they're feeling yeah. like there's value being brought, especially for some of those agents you're chasing and you've called them a couple of different Mondays, not necessarily in a row, but what's value there beyond, I know the point is to get the appointment, but yeah. if you're bringing value, what is that? And then Patrick, what, is a great call from your perspective that a lender has made to you where you're like, wow, that was a valuable call. I might want to meet with this guy. Cool. So for me, here's a tactic that I've been using with some of the top agents that I want to work with is rather than me trying to give them value, I'm asking them like, hey, I heard you have an awesome team. I would just love to come in and see how you guys work. And, and it's, it's worked really, really well for me to get in because now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we'll meet with you or, you know, show you how the team works or show you the structure. And, um, it's, I used to kind of be like, Hey, can I come in and, you know, do a presentation for your team or I want to do this or here's, you know, here's my, here's my credentials or whatever. I don't, I'm never, I've never been comfortable with that 
humble brag kind of thing that, you know, is so cool now. And, you know, it's, it, it doesn't mean it's bad, but for, it's not me. And I don't want to do it that way. So I'd much rather go into it from a perspective of how can I learn from them? How can I gain value from them? Because now you're honoring them, you're edifying them, you're kind of pumping them up. And no one, I mean, I've never had anybody say, I don't want to show you anything that we do, you know. So that's, for top producers, that's my strategy right now. I mean, you can go back to, again, there's, hey, can you provide value? Can you do a lunch learn? Is there a loan program? Is there something? But to me, that stuff's just noise now. Everybody does that. So you have to be a little bit different to get yourself in the door. Um, two sure. parts that I can answer that in. So number one, one of the best appointments I ever had from a lender calling on me. He called me up and said, hey, your business is unbelievable. Give me a ton of honor. And I don't get called that often. Um, so I was like, yeah, I can meet you. You got to be at my Starbucks right below my office, but I'll meet you for 30 minutes. And he sits down and he says, man, I know your wife's pregnant with twins. How's she doing? I was like, oh, how'd you know that? I guess Facebook. And he's like, hey, well, I just want to learn from you. Kind of what you were just saying. I just want to learn from you, learn a little bit about your business. So do you mind if I just ask you a bunch of questions and take a bunch of notes? And he starts saying like, how long you been in the business? Where did you go to school? What really moves you? What do you like to do on the weekends? Do you work on the weekends? What does your team look like? What do you and your wife like to do for fun? Do you have more than the two twins on the way? Oh, what are their names? What are you going to do there? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? When did you move to San Antonio? Do you like the Spurs? What kind of, oh, you like sports? What other sports do you like? Oh, you love the Chicago Bears. And then we found out we have a Chicago connection. And I was like, man, I think this guy might be my backup lender. I don't know. This is pretty crazy. Yeah. So he was basically doing an all about you form interview face to face with me. When every other person that's ever met, hey, I close on time. We can give all this guarantee. We're so great. I'm like, I got that already. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good on there. But it was cool that he took some interest in me. So after like two years of kind of chasing me, he kind of is a backup guy, yep. which is pretty cool. So when people call me, if a lender calls me and they're trying to be a VIP, so I get VIP calls from my lender. He's one of my best friends. He knows everything about me, so he knows what's going on in my life. So he always asks me about my twins because that's pretty important to me. I'm a huge, gigantic Spurs fan, so he was poking fun at me when they lost. No, yeah. I was talking I was about how great they are. Sucks. That's the only reason why I didn't want to be on stage with Colby. He mentions the Nuggets. God dang. All right, I'm getting over it now, though. Next year, baby, we'll be there. So things that I take interest in, he'll call me up, and then he gets the conversation started. For me, it is never really about business. If it is, it would be about him saying, hey, can I come in and talk to your RP1s? Hey, can I come in and coach up some of your buyer's agents? And I would be like, yes. Please do that. Now, of course, you're probably not chasing a bunch of $80 million producers. So I think it has to be a little bit about business with sole practitioners or somebody doing, you know, a team of two. Right? I, think, I think the point is to be prepared. Know what you're going to say. If you, if you come in prepared and you have notes and you know what your agenda is and you can talk about that person, all of a sudden you know some things and you've already made them feel important on the front end, just that alone, I mean, you, I mean I've had young people in the business that, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy wants to meet with me. Like when I have time, but the way that they come at it and they approach it, it's very hard for me to say no because they're stroking my ego, you know, and we all, <laughs> we all like that. It's hard to be like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks, man. Um, but no, you know, call me in a couple of years. I'm, I just don't do it. I'll, I'll take time to, to meet with them. And I think it's the same approach that you have with the agents, but you do want to be, you want to be prepared in some capacity and, that's more of the takeaway from the other thing I wrote down with Nikki yesterday when she was on stage was the lead tracker review. So if I'm, if my VIP lender is calling me and I'm his VIP realtor and he's calling me and say, Hey, I just wanted to give you an update on all of the leads that we've had. 
Here's some leads that were from six months ago. I'd be like, whoa, I forgot about that. That would be like an unbelievable, gigantic, huge value to me. And I'd be like, I love you. Thank you for reminding about that lead. You're awesome. Now I want to send you more leads because you're so on top of it. Right? Oh, I got a question over here. I'll jump into thank you notes after his question. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, right there, Mark. Yeah. So, Eric, I love the uh, theme day accountability tracker. And I think most level three lenders like to go back and bring value to their realtors. Mm -hmm. Patrick, do you have one for realtors? And if not, can we create one so we can go back and, and give it to Oh, yeah. So I'm going to take that and make exactly that. And the only difference is Monday and Friday change. So for our realtors, Monday and Friday change on that page in the workbook that what are has they? his tracker. Huh? What are they? So Monday, instead of calling realtors, because we're realtors, we call our VIPs. So on Monday, we would switch that just to say VIPs. And Friday, you call more realtors? Uh, Fridays, we end up calling all of our... I think the core calls it cold lead generation business and builder partners. Um, I use a target list. So the reason I use a target list, anytime I'm at an event or anytime I have a good person in my life that says, oh, man, you don't know my buddy who's an attorney, Jeff? You got to meet Jeff. And I'll go to my target list and I'll put Jeff. Mark Harris knows him. He wants to make the introduction. Or if I run into a builder or if I have a client that says, hey, I'm going to go build this house with this brand new builder. I don't know who they are. And my client signs up with Tia Cartwright, the new builder. Hey, I don't really know Tia, but my client just met with them. So Tia Cartwright, new builder. They'll be on my target list. So for me, I go on Fridays and I make really warm calls because I'm very scared of cold calls. So if I'm a really good card collector at events and I just pay attention and I'm being a networking person, I can put all of those names of people that I need an introduction to or need to meet with on a list. And I work off of a target list for Fridays, which is my cold leads, calling builders and calling business people. So that's what realtors should be doing on Friday. Make sense? Did that answer it, Mark? Yeah. Cool. It's pretty evident to me that these uh, accountability, um, well, the theme day accountability tracker things are talking about calls. So we're not talking about emails here, clearly, right? Uh, but there are texts. A lot of people love email. Them. Forget about what I just said about email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but texting is a big thing these days, right? So you can go back and forth, back and forth extensively in text, too. And a lot of these agents love to be on the go, and they'd rather get texts. Yeah, sometimes. I get that question all the time. Can I count a text? Can I text, count an email? No. Like, it, even if you just say, hey, just calling, I didn't want to send this over in a text, because sometimes, I mean, sometimes you just have something to say or talk about, and even if they, te- you know, feel free to text me back or whatever, that's fine, but make the phone call. I mean, I, I, I think, I still think the phone can get more accomplished. People waste so much time between email and texting and waiting and back and forth. It's like the phone is still the best way to get the stuff done quickly compared to, you know, face-to-face would probably be a little bit better. But, I mean, it, it, phone, like, pick it up. I need you to call me. So you can call Rick. This was really impactful to me. You can call Rick and you can say, hey, Rick, you know, uh, I wanted to tell you about, you know, I closed 40 loans last month and it was a great month and everything's good and this and that. I just want to call and tell you. He's not going to call you back. He's going to go, all right, great job. But if you call Rick and say, hey, Rick, I got a problem. Need you to call me? Boom. He's going to call you back. So you have to learn what those triggers are if you want someone to call you back. Sometimes it's just about how you deliver the message. I mean, if you tell somebody, hey, I need you to call me, they're not going to send you a text. They're going to call. So. This is more for Patrick uh, on the realtor side, but uh, so on your target list or any kind of potential VIPs that that you're pursuing that you might have picked up at an event, 
if they're in a business that maybe you don't know a whole lot about or whatever, are, are is your approach kind of like how that lender was with you? You're just going to ask a million questions until you kind of figure it out, or what what kind of tactics are you using to in that pursuit? Yep. So I like working off a target list because there'll always be like some kind of connection. So if I'm hanging out with Mark Harris and he says, oh, man, there's a good attorney buddy of mine that you need to meet. Um, his name's Eric Colby. So I'd have that on there and I'd probably call him and I'd say, hey, Eric, Mark Harris wanted me to give you a call. He said that you're one of the greatest attorneys of all time. I just Googled your name. I saw it all over the San Antonio Business Journal. I'm impressed, man. So I'm an up and coming business guy. I'm a realtor. I'd love to meet with you for 15 minutes and just pick your brain. Are you cool with that? Sounds great. Or you can always do the Rick Ruby script. Hey, you're in business. I'm in business. Let's talk about how we can make some money together. Can I buy you a cup of coffee for 15 minutes, see how we can make some money together? Of course, they're always going to say yes. And at that appointment, yes, it's a discovery. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I have this huge, gigantic ego, and I think I'm awesome. So in the beginning of my core career, I was like 10-4 form or meeting those new people. I was like, every single person's going to love me, and they're probably going to do business with me. So if I have a meeting, they're 100% doing business with me, and then I discovered that not everyone likes me. And I used to, I had like a huge problem with that, but now I'm cool with it. It's all good. So if I meet with 10 really good business professionals or 10 really good builders, I'm looking for the two or three that are really good quality matches for me, right? So if they're young, young family, like to go listen to live music, if they like anything sports related, they're probably a pretty good quality match for me. So I have a lot in common with them and we'll probably do some business in the future. So I'm trying to make it easier on myself, right? Make sense? Does that answer the question? What, what 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 do you say if you get an objection where you call that attorney and says, well, I've already got somebody I'm sending my business to. Like I've already got a realtor that I'm that is my go-to person. Have you ever called an attorney? Yes. You have. They said that. Yes. Wow. I'd be like, dude, you must be the greatest attorney of all time because I've called attorneys before and they never have a go-to realtor. So that realtor must be awesome. Can I meet with you to talk about how awesome he is and how I can get there? And also, sometimes you need a backup quarterback. I'd like to just be your backup one time. Just a 15-minute cup of coffee. All right? Call him. So all of, most of us in this room have teams. Do you have your team do a variation of a greatness tracker to add and not to – Add to your own greatness tracker, but do you have them do a variation I, to add I, to the I business? do have team greatness tracker, and it's it has their they write thank you cards, it's talk tos, it's locks, it's um, well I guess conversation talk to you, but it's it's much more scaled down because I don't want them you know going on break breads and face to faces per se, but it is you know they they need to track what they're doing too. So you can create a team greatness tracker with whatever you want to measure. I think it's really a great thing to do because then everybody's on the same page. It's not, oh, I have to complete my grain tracker. Then they realize they have to complete one too and, and be accountable as well. So it's a really important thing that I implemented into my business that, you know, LPs, if they're talking to your, you know, just writing down what they're doing. You're talking about sales stuff? Cool. So I have buyer's agents and they're on a greatness tracker. It's not as, uh, like I have them do 40 calls. I have them do 10 face-to-faces. It's a little bit less. Uh, so I've got that. I'll send it to Tara. So it'll be there. Is Tara in the back? I promise I'll send it. I'm not just saying that I'm going to send it. I'm going to send it. So I have a, an RP2 greatness tracker, making sure they're helping me with my leveraged sales, right? Cool. Thank you notes. All right. I'm going to give you like three tactics for thank you notes because they're difficult, right? How many people consistently write 10 every single week without fail? Come on. I believe it. He's very grateful. So a lot of people raise it again. I didn't really see. All I see is a gigantic hand in the back. Okay. So maybe 25% of the room, I can tell you that I was there uh, this year. I've been doing a lot better. 
So you may have heard this before. Number one tactic is have an assistant put 10 thank you notes on your desk on Monday. With that, you put a $100 bill underneath it. If you don't write the thank you notes, she gets to take the $100 bill. So after $1,200, I got a little better at it. That's not a joke. She got rich. She was like almost trying to make me. She's like, hey, you got to do other calls and stuff. Don't do your thank you notes. I'm like, I'm doing my thank you notes. You're not taking 100 from me again. Come on. So if they're on your desk, it makes it easy. Most of the time I'm making my calls from my desk. If something really impactful happens, I had a guy that was helping me out on, uh, he was just being really transparent about his life and all the kids and some of the struggles that I have trying to raise little babies and keep my wife super happy. And uh, he gave me some items on the, on the call. We we're like a four or five minute conversation. I was like, a light bulb went off that it's something I got to do for my wife. And I like grabbed a handwritten thank you note and I wrote on there, dude, Thank you so much for giving me that tactic. Eric is going to be much happier. Maybe she'll make out with me tonight. I don't know. I'm really excited, though. Thanks for loving on me. You're the greatest. And I wrote that right right there and then gave it to my assistant. She mailed it off to him. So if they're sitting right there on your desk and something cool happens, just write it. It's a very easy tactic, right? So you got a couple tactics. Have them on the desk. Have the $100 bill. Have the assistant put 10 That will make you fill it up. Hang on. Another, another tactic, if you're a listing agent or you can train all your agents to do this, every single listing appointment without fail, write a handwritten thank you note immediately after the appointment, but the actual card is the realtor walking out of the house with a little sold sign and a selfie stick with the house in the background making a goofy face, and then you take a picture. So it's assuming, it's confidence, it's, hey, I'm going to get your home sold, I don't care if they sign the listing agreement or not, that's the thank you note. So have all of your clients do that. Cool. And if you're a realtor, you do that every single listing. It helps. If you are a lender, my idea that I think would be super sexy, I'm going to have Adam Hughes do this. He's my guy. Pisses me off he doesn't because I came up with this. I'm like, I'm brilliant. So every time I send him a borrower and he's sitting there with him and they go through their whole thing in the borrower package, I'm going to have the LP1s put a thank you note in there. As soon as they walk out, I'm going to write a handwritten thank you note to the agent and say, hey, I just met with the Smiths. Here's something really cool and unique about them. The family's so awesome. We just got done meeting. I just appreciate you always sending your clients to me. This is great. That would probably go pretty well, right? You think agents will like that? I'm an agent. I would really appreciate that. And then I'd actually know when you met them face-to-face, too. I think that's cool. So all the lenders start doing that. I'm going to my tactics around. I'm going to say something real quick because thank you cards are hard for me. And is I mean, my assistant, like puts the two on my desk and does everything and writes the envelope and they still sit there. And I'm like, <laughs> I just don't know. And I don't know what it is. Anybody have really bad handwriting? I have really bad handwriting. I'm not good at, I can barely speak, let alone write. So for me, what I've done that's really, really helped me, has anyone ever received a really good thank you card from someone where it made you feel good? I keep those. I look at those. I steal those ideas and I change a couple words around and I write great thank you cards as long if they can read them. But, you know, I, I feel better about it. So it's just more of, you know, it's just little tactic. It's just doing it. It's the easiest thing. The handwritten thank you card when you get one makes you feel so, so good. When you meet with a client, send a thank you card. Thank you for coming in. When you have lunch with somebody, thank you for coming in. When they do something nice for you, thank you for doing that. Hey, it was great talking to you past client. I hadn't talked to you in so long. It was really good to hear from you. Send a card. It's just something that I think because it's the easiest thing on there, it's the one that we don't do. And that, but it's very, very impactful. So the last thing to make sure that it blows up every single warm lead that comes into our shop on Fridays, I sit down and I write all of the referral sources, a handwritten thank you note that says, thanks for trusting me with your leads. And then I also throw a little gift on there. If y'all were in the November summit, you probably remember because it's kind of goofy, but I'm Patrick Conway. 
candied pecans. We send them with a handwritten thank you note, and it says, thanks for trusting the pecan way. You can laugh. Oh, thank you. So a couple of tactics. Send thank you notes on the desk. Every borrower, their realtor gets the thank you note. Every listing appointment gets the selfie stick sold sign with you on there. And every single lead source, warm lead, gets that thank you note. I think you would accomplish way more than 10 per week. Would you agree? Can you do that? Cool. Events. Oh, my event. Back to you. Videos? Events? Events. All right, events. So I use events for really one thing. Because all of the time when we're banging the phones and we're making 30 dials and we're like, this is easy, the first 90 or 120 calls. And then you're like, now what do I say? Now what am I going to talk about? Now I need to be a value again. So I utilize the events to make sure that I know that I'm a value and it's something that I can talk about. So we all know what the events are that we're supposed to be doing. This is not an event class, so I'm just going to roll through a few. Monthly happy hour for VIPs, referral partners. We do that all the time. I do three big client parties a year. I do a baseball game. I do a pumpkin patch. I do an Easter egg hunt. I do a movie day. I do four parties. Other events that we do. For a long time, I would forget about my team. Who needs to love on their team a little bit more? I always need to love on my team. I've got a pretty large team. I have 14 people. Every six weeks, we do an event together. It's mandatory. We rotate between charity and fun. Every six weeks, we go out. It's mandatory. Half the day, we go out and have fun, or we go do some charity in the community. Nobody's taking notes. Everybody does events with their team. It's a good tactic. Now the team's all dialed in. They love me more. It's very, very more fun. Uh, I started this business at 28 years old. I had a $150,000 home, which is not bad in San Antonio. It's a, a decent house. So I was selling a lot of $150,000 homes. So uh, Rick said, hey, go to more events where there's higher-end people. Join Chamber of Commerce. Go to B&I. Go join the country club and get involved. I'm not really the Chamber of Commerce kind of guy. I tried to go. It wasn't really fitting for me, but I wanted to go to some event to meet new people. And I started looking around, and I said, well, what's an event or what's an association I can belong to? So I already mentioned that I'm from Chicago, so I have a very big passion for the Chicago Bears. There is a San Antonio Chicago Bears Association. There's 255 members, and I am the only realtor in the group. So if I show up with my vintage Walter Payton jersey on, they're like, oh, man, you got to sell my house. I'm like, dude, the game's on. Relax. Game's over. Okay, let's sell your house. It makes it so much more fun. So I think getting involved in things that you like that are monthly events are huge. It doesn't have to be like something you don't like. Get involved with something you like. Because if people are doing things with you that you like, you're going to get along. It's a quality match. It's an easier sale. They want to do business with you. Does that make sense? Cool. So everybody write down, I'm going to join an event or an association of something that I enjoy. Cool? Good. We do have a question. Yeah. just want to make sure uh, the event does not have to be... Something that I'm sponsoring myself. I think it does. Sorry? I, I think it does. Or I think it needs to be a group that you... So lenders and realtors are a little bit different. From the lender perspective, yeah. I'll let him talk a little bit about yeah. that too. I, I, I think it... Or at least needs... Even if it's a group that you're a part of that you're doing. I mean, I, for me on the lender side of it, it should be an event that either you're hosting or you're inviting people to that you're a part of in some capacity. I've started to see a little bit more of people like, I went to this thing and that was my... That's not... your. You didn't invite people, unless you're calling 25 of your friends to come along with you to the event, I wouldn't really count that as an event. So, um, you know, but it's, it's, if you're doing your monthly happy hour, if you're doing a, you know, a, a thing with your team, if you're doing, going to a, a realtor, you know, association that you're a part of, those are events. You know, if you're in a BNI group that you meet with every single week, to me, that's an event. So I try to do, you know, one to two a week. So my question is, uh, if I take, two realtors to a concert 
Is that a leveraged event, or should I put down, like, two break breads? I would do a break bread. Okay. What, yeah. Five or more, maybe? Five would be an event. Okay. I would cool. say so. I mean, I don't know if there's a specific, but, yeah, I mean, it's type planning thing. Cool. So I think lenders have a little bit of an edge on events because they can do a lunch and learn, and they have a really good target audience and bring a bunch of realtors there and be an expert and teach them. Realtors, not so much. So for uh, realtors in the room, and you can coach your realtors on how to do this or help them do this, uh, one thing that builder, every single builder in the world wants more buyers. They need to sell houses. So what I'll do is I'll do a lunch and learn at the builder model. I'm a little bit of a draw because I'm a national coach. So we'll bring in 25 to 75 realtors, depending on how big our invite was and where this model home is. I'll bring them a whole bunch of realtors. And as soon as I'm done with the lunch and learn, I say, hey, did you see value in that? I also let the builder know it's not every day that I have a client in this price range in this area, but if I did, I'll bring them to you first. But with 47,000 opportunities in town and me selling 300 houses, I'm less than 1% of the market, so it's few and far between. But if I bring you 50 realtors and you get to talk to them and they're in your model home and they get exposure, would that be something you're interested in? They say yes. So right after the event, a bunch of realtors, I say, do you see value in that? I go to the builder and I say, did you see value? They say yes. I'm like, cool, give me your next two people that need homes to sell. And every time they give it to me. Cool little tactic. Yep. I mean, events, there's whole classes on events, but in how to do them and host them and everything else. So um, same thing with video. Okay. So a lot of, you know, how am I going to send out 250 videos? You're not, you're not making 250 videos. <laughs> like you're making a video that you send out that, that will get you some exposure. Facebook is the easiest way to get them out there, you know, and doing something different. Some people like to do a weekly market update. I think that's okay. Like when I see those, I'm like, I don't really want to do that. And, you know, some people love that stuff. I'm just not, I don't want to talk about the market. I don't even understand. I don't know how to read the mortgage market guide, like whatever, red, green, I'm colorblind, who cares? You know, what's happening with rates? I don't know. But I will do something where if I can get some exposure and get a video out and see it, like uh, Gavin, I mean, Gavin goes to a, to, to one of his uh, launches of his of his house projects and he's running a race under the thing. It's like, dude, that is cool. But it gets probably like a thousand views. It's a video, a video, get some views, get some exposure. Don't overcomplicate it. John by in the class before, don't rewatch it. Don't redo it. No one wants, you're not going to be perfect unless you have somebody coming out filming your video and you can take it a thousand times. And most of the time those look dumb anyway. So I think it needs to be just get it out there, get some exposure, get in front of people, talk about something, do something cool. And that's how you're going to get your videos done. So, um, Regarding the other stuff on, is we kind of trans, you had a question? Yeah. Go ahead. So, are video process counted in that or no? What does that mean? Like, um, your file submitted to processing and there's a video of me explaining that to the... I mean, sure. That's going to get you a video. Wednesday, one. video goes to 200 pre-approvals. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. And I think Wednesday pre-approval videos are a fantastic thing to do to all your pre-approvals. What's going on? That, that could be where you could put some stuff in the market or, hey, here's this new product or, hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, this, we, we just saved this loan or I don't care what it is. We're going to be available this weekend. Those are good ways to get it out. Absolutely. Um, as we move through the, the, the deals, pre-approvals, um, the, those kind of things that you guys have. I don't, I mean, that, that stuff comes from your lead track and other stuff. I'm not going to really get into that. You guys all know how to track that stuff. But what I would like to do is now talk about if you go to page, um, 146 and 147, uh, you can actually see both, uh, when a Patrick's is on 146 and mine's on 147. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the, 
the tactics that we do on our greatness trackers that are a little bit that, that kind of keep us, you know, in line. So do you want to go you want to go first with some of your extra tactics that you're doing oh, yeah. on your greatness tracker? So first few semesters of coaching, I'd be banging out phone calls, paying attention to theme days, seeing a bunch of people, getting really excited, taking on good homework assignments, and Wednesday would roll around and I'd say, oh my gosh, I didn't even print out a greatness tracker. Now i got to go back in time and fill it out. Oh my gosh, who did I talk to? Has anybody ever had that before? Yes, we've had that. So to solve that problem, I don't know what if I'm that like drama queen where I can't hit the print button, but I have a problem like hitting print on Monday morning. So I don't have the job of printing a blank one. I have a staff member who prints a blank one and put it on my desk. So it literally is sitting there so I can grab it and take it with me. That makes sense, right? So fill it out as you go and carry it everywhere with you. I like handwritten ones. I coached June Lemmings, and hers is like crumpled up and all over the place and all different inks and all different handwritings. And I know that's not handwritings, but some are scribbly, some are good, some are on a desk, some are in the car. And I can see that she's actually utilizing it, so it shows me. What does it show me? She's actually doing the work. Somebody who has like all real nice typed out stuff, I'm like, huh, you type out it? I don't know. And then they say, they give me the excuse, oh, no, I handwrite it, and then I have my staff person type it out. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Turn it in all crappy, can't read it, different inks, all crumbly, because I think you need to take that everywhere you go. Do you agree? I do, absolutely. What about, uh, I noticed when I was looking at yours, you have things that are circled. Yep, so kind of the end result in mine, my first year or two, I would just check the name off, put it on there. Did I meet him face-to-face? Yes. Sometimes I would sell my agenda too much or just ask some questions and say, hey, thanks for meeting with me. Or I'd call them and I'd probably say, hey, your appraisal made value. We're going to close on Friday. It's going to be great. Okay, I'll see you later. Name on the greatness tracker, right? But one of those five things did not happen. So what I got into the habit of doing is I want to condition all of my people all of the time. I want to always be asking for referrals. I always want to make sure that they know that they're committing to me to send me one client per year. So I talk to them about that all the time. So the people that I literally condition for two referrals throughout the process, or if it's a referral partner that I'm conditioning for one deal in the next 30 days, or just commit to sending me one buyer or seller this year, if I actually ask them and queue them up to condition for a new piece of business, I circle the name. So if you look at my greatness tracker, I don't know how many are circled, maybe half. I can do a better job. So if you challenge yourself to actually circle the name, if you actually ask for business, it's pretty, at first it'll probably be pretty underwhelming. Because a lot of times we're just going through and checking the names off. So that's a good tactic to see if you're actually making an impact with the end result in mind. Cool. So I carry my greatness tracker with me everywhere. And I'm going to tell you some little things that you're going to see on here. I know it might be hard to read, but first thing, when I get one on Monday morning, I write the date right in the top corner so I know what date I'm working with, okay? The next thing at the very top of mine, I put, you'll see W slash O, that means workout. Did I do my workout in the morning? Because I know that that's going to set my day off. And then at the end, if I have a goal, you can see on the top, so there's workout, WWO, six workouts. Okay, so I did six workouts the week of three, four. The next thing you're going to see under mine, and and uh, Mark Manti, I'm coaching him right now, so he knows this, I put my start time. What time am I starting? Above the Monday, what time did I actually start working? Because so many of us, if I asked most of you guys in the room how many hours a week you work, everybody's going to give me a number, but nobody really knows if that's really the number. 60 hours, 70 hours, 50 hours. They don't know. We all have a... Everybody has 24 hours in a day, right? This is the one constant in our business for all of us that you can actually measure and track to the minute if you want to, to the second. 
Okay? So I put it in. Most of the time, you know, if I want to be in by 9 o'clock, take my kids to school, do my morning routine, whatever it is, 9 o'clock. Okay, I started at 9 o'clock, and then I have an end time. What time did I stop working? At the bottom, you're going to see... How many people have an end time written down What in solid stone? That's something i got to add. What time did Nobody I does. Two people do. Yeah, and you I can put an that. end time in your calendar, but I'm saying, like, this is what time did I leave? What time did I actually leave? The reality is... There's a certain point where you have a very, very diminishing return. As you start getting late at night, you start working. We've all been there. We have so much to do. It's 7 o'clock, then 8 o'clock, then 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. I realized way, way, way too late in my career that that time between like 7 o'clock and midnight, I get like 11 minutes of work done. (laughs) It's like if I just shut that down and started fresh the next morning, like I could bang that out in no time. And and you have to realize that because we get there and then you're tired the next day and then you're behind and you always have this sense of overwhelming. The reality is, guys, you can always make one more phone call, return one more email. Do one, It's to infinity. So you have to have to learn when to shut it off and how to get more done in the time that you allow. So for me, when I started doing this, it was a game changer because I knew that I wanted to shorten my hours and have time for my family and be able to coach my kids and do all these different things that I needed to do. So I couldn't. Let it keep going because I don't know if you guys are like me, but if it's up to me, it's just going to keep going. It's going to be 10 minutes, then 20 minutes, then 30 minutes, then an hour and two hours, and then my wife hates me, and, you know, it is what it is. So you just have to be able to stop and know exactly what you're doing. Another tactic that I do is I use a chess timer. Some of you that have heard me speak about it, there's one in there. Uh, my coaching students all have to get them for a thing. It, it, a chess timer basically says... Am I prospecting or am I not prospecting? And it's amazing how when you guys are all putting on your greatness tracker how much prospecting time you have, if you had a chess timer, it'd be cut in half. I guarantee it. I guarantee that you would do it in half because there's so much time that we waste. But the reality is when you're watching those seconds tick away, I even have like a question mark emoji and a half, you know, money making emoji on mine. You'll see in the book, I put a little sticker. I like the visual cues, but it makes me say, what are you doing? You're wasting time right now. You're, you're, you're not doing dollar producing activities. How much is my dollar per hour? You know, what is this? And, and we spend time doing that, that wasted activity. So I know how many hours of prospecting I have because I look at my timer and I know what I'm doing. Okay. So you'll see here, I have three and a quarter, five and a half, whatever at the bottom of my, at the bottom after my hours, you can see how many hours I actually worked. It's really small, but this week I worked 39.25 hours with 24 hours of prospecting during the week. Another little tips that I do, you'll see by some of the names like B, VIP, um, R, LO. I, I like to write down and know who I talked to because I can make 60 phone calls, but I'm a loan officer, I'm a branch manager, I'm a coach, all these things that I do. They all can impact my business. They all can help me with what I do. But if at the end of the day, if I'm talking to only loan officers and not talking to borrowers or not talking to realtors, that doesn't really, that's not going to help me accomplish what I need. So I have to understand how many of these are actually agents that I'm talking to. Who am I talking to? Which VAPs am I talking to? And it just helps me visually understand what I'm doing. Back to the whole check the box. For a long time, it was check the box. I just want to make 60 calls, get 15. And for those of you that are newer in here, that's what your goal is. But again, it's about being strategic between the lines and accomplishing the most that you can in that eight or nine or 10 or 11 hours and not just going for it and saying, yep, I put in a good day, but why, why did I only, I didn't, I didn't win the day. I didn't make my phone calls. I didn't, I didn't see anybody. I didn't talk to anybody, but I worked for 14 hours. You have to be more strategic. You have to be better about it. And this tracker can help you do it. Okay. 
Um, the other piece that I do is just, I guess the only other thing on here is, this is something I got from Josh Sigmund, just a little visual cue for me, a little smiley face or sad face. And as you can see, <laughs> I did great this week. This is like my best greatness tracker all year, by the way. So I, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely made sure to pick the good one. Um, only one sad face, three thank you cards. Other than that, everything was good. And on the left-hand side, real small over here, 100 call goal. You'll see on the left, um, I have a check mark. And on the back of my greatness tracker, I will put down uh, people that I left messages for. I'll write those down on the back of my greatness tracker, so that helps me know exactly how many calls I made for the week. And if they call me back and I talk to them, I scratch them off of the back and put them on the front. I'm not counting them twice. Still trying to get the calls done. So those are my tips and, tips and tactics on how I use the greatness tracker. But, again, throw the 320-page book away. Just take this. This is where This is where the money is. The other stuff's just fluff to get you there. That's pretty awesome. I love the chess timer thing. Luckily, I have really brilliant coaches like Kendra. So one time I made a whole bunch of money one month, and then I wasn't really prospecting, and I wasn't really hitting the phones hard. And she's like, you're an idiot. How much did you make last month? I told her how much I made, and she said, do the math on that. So that month, it ended up being 660 bucks an hour, which I thought was pretty impressive. I was like, man, that's a lot of money. And then she's so smart, she said, what's that per minute? And I had to grab my calculator because I can't do 660 divided by 60, but it's 11. And then I had to ask her, what does that mean? She said, that means in that month, you were worth $11 per minute. So I love the idea of the chess timer because it's like if I'm on the phone and I'm seeing somebody, I can have that chess timer on go. And if I'm off, I got to hit stop. So I doubt that I'm really prospecting as much as I should. So each minute that ticks by, am I earning my 11 bucks a minute? That's ridiculous that we can earn $11 a minute in our business. But where do we earn it? We earn it filling up a great instructor, being impactful, leaving really good messages, being a little bit enthusiastic, seeing all the people, writing some really good handwritten thank you notes. These are the things that we can do. Right? Yep. And I really said, suck at videos, and I just wanted to share one video thing. Can I do that? Yes, sir. So, obviously, Rick's on stage talking about referral gift program. I don't make it very public, and that's his new thing. So I'm sitting in the back, and I'm like, man, I think that would be a really cool video. So I do four client parties a year. He said have a referral gift program and make it public every single month, or every single quarter is what he said. Every single quarter, have a public referral gift program. So I started thinking about it. Well, I already do four big client parties. I have all the people that come in. So at that client party, I'm going to do something similar to what he does. And at the client party, I'm going to stop them, thank them all for coming, and literally have it videoed where I'm giving gifts away to the people that send me numerous amounts of leads or multiple deals. And I'll bring them up and thank them and give them a small gift in front of everybody, and then we'll send that video out. That's how I'm going to do that public referral gift program. So I think everybody should add the same thing. Do you agree? Yep. Cool. So I, I just want to do a little testament to the core for a lot of the new members and the people in here, and even if you if you haven't. So when I got into core, I was already making seven figures, and um, I had one assistant. I was doing 30 loans a month. I never left my desk. My goal was I literally would sit at my desk and make phone calls all day long, and my goal was to send out 10 quotes a day. Like, I was like, if I can just send out 10 quotes a day, I'm going to close a bunch of business. And, you know, my follow-up wasn't anything. I was working 80 hours. Everything was on me. And I was like, I don't even want to do this business anymore. Like, how do I get out of this? But there's no way I can make this kind of money. And I found the core. And what I realized is if you can be better within your time and still accomplish more, like this is the biggest game changer for me. In three and a half years, I doubled my income and cut it down to 40 hours or less. And it wasn't easy. It was really, really hard, but it was leverage. And, and the biggest thing for me, the biggest impact for me is I do not spend time doing stuff that 
isn't impactful or going to make me money. Like, I would rather hire somebody. We get so worried as you start to build a team that, oh my gosh, I'm going to hire this person and what if I don't have any more loans? And what if I can't hire, what if I can't pay for them? Or what if, you know, this and that? At what other job does someone get hired and the boss is responsible for giving them work to make the job? You know, like, if you hire somebody, the intention has to be, you have to tell them, hey, your job is to help me get two more loans a month. If you can help me get two more loans a month, you're going to have a job for the rest of your life. Instead of feeling responsible for it. And if they don't, guess what? It's not a fit. They're not going to work. You know, you want them to pay for themselves. You want it to be leveraged. You have to be able to delegate. You have to be able to give things up. And you have to understand back to Patrick's, you know, $11 a minute stuff. You got to start thinking in that capacity. Like everything you do, how can I be better? How can I get more to the $660 an hour work? And as you start doing more of that 660, as you start doing more of the prospecting activities, as you start doing more of the activities that are um, going to get you there, guess what? Now, your dollar per hour starts going to 800 900 $1,000 an yes, hour. Yes, Colby, you make more than me, thanks. Come on, man. <laughs> but but it's, it's one of those, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is we always tend to go to the easy stuff. We tend to go to the emails or do these things, but the, you shouldn't do it. Your mindset has to be on creating ways to stay within the lines Cut your hours. I mean, there are people that can get, you know, if you can get, if you can get 40 phone calls done in two hours, then get them done and go home. If it takes you eight, it might take you eight. I mean, I don't think there's a, a reason to have to just absolutely work and stay around and do things and be non-productive because you're wasting your time. So. Very good. So. How many people learned at least one thing? Clap one time. If you learn two things, clap two times. If you learn three things, clap three times. Cool. So if y'all could do us a favor, if you did get three tactics, go to page 319. If we did a really good job and you have a few things that you can take back to implement your business and make it easier to fill out a greatness tracker and make way more money, please rate us a five. If you can't rate us a five, come up here and tell me why we suck. Thank cool. you. Well, guys. we appreciate you guys. Hey, we're going to lunch. We'll see ya.